Hello and welcome to the why behind the what. My name is Nathan Albert. And as always, I am so glad you are listening to this podcast today. If you've been listening all season, first off, a huge thank you. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there, so I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this one. For those of you who might be new to this podcast, maybe you're just tuning in or just have listened to a handful of episodes. On this season, I've been introducing you to ancient and contemplative spiritual practices and rhythms that I think can rekindle faith, can heal souls, and transform lives. If you've listened, you know this as well, especially in my earliest episodes of this season. For me, after being in ministry for only a handful of years, after just a handful of years of preaching and teaching and writing and traveling to different speaking engagements, I found myself on a regular basis laying under my desk with noise-canceling headphones on, crying. I was completely burnt out. I was pretty apathetic. I was quickly becoming this critical Christian. I was tired of pastoring, and the faith that I once cherished was no longer working for me. I also was doing a lot of Googling at this time about careers for someone who has a bachelor's in musical theater performance and a master's in divinity. What careers could they go into? And at the time, I concluded bartending was probably my best option. I mean, think of all the pastoring you can do in a bar. But I knew I needed something new. I knew my faith needed a resurrection. And what I found and what I've been exploring ever since is that the new that I needed was actually quite old, ancient. And it was this ancient, this contemplative faith that really changed everything for me. In a way, I was deconstructing my faith. But it wasn't that I was losing my faith or abandoning my faith. Uh, Instead, I was exploring the expansiveness of my faith tradition. And so for me, the journey to discovering this expansiveness of faith brought me to spend time in monasteries and practice an ancient spirituality. I dove into practicing silence, centering prayer, solitude, meditation, breath prayers, Lexio Divina, the examen, fixed our prayer, liturgy, so much more. And all of this brought me to a faith tradition that had been there all along, but one in which I hadn't seen and hadn't practiced and really wasn't taught as the right way. And so these ancient spiritual practices, they helped me to discover a calm, discover peace, discover happiness, and they became ways that I could open myself up to God. They taught me how to be present to the present one who is always present to me. They taught me how to be with God instead of trying to do for God. They allowed me to be in God for the world rather than simply try to be in the world for God. They brought me spiritual health. They were a balm to my hurting and wounded soul. They settled my anxious heart and mind. And through them, I realized I didn't have to work so hard to transform myself. But instead, I used these practices as a way to open myself up to God, the one who transforms me from within. 
Now, if you've been listening as well, you've heard some incredible guests, and they've shared similar stories. Uh, Aaron Nequist, Yael Shai, Rich Velotis, Megan Westra, David Swanson, da- uh, Darren Calhoun, Colby Martin, Steve Weens, Marielle Kraft. I mean, rock stars, authors and pastors and musicians and professors and meditation experts, friends who know way more about all these important topics than I ever will. And I hope you'll go back and listen. If you've missed any episodes, I think you'll really enjoy them. But what I hope you heard in these interviews and what I hope we all continue to realize is that as we explore the spiritual dimensions of life, there will come a time when it doesn't work like it once did. And we will start to see that there is a pattern that our faith descends, that our faith needs to be deconstructed, and some, prob- some parts probably need to die and be buried. But then will come resurrection and restoration and reconstruction. And this doesn't lead us to giving up on our faith. Instead, it leads us deeper into faith. Instead of having a, a, a tight grip on faith that we thought we needed to hold onto, we can let go with open hands to discover that we are already in a faith bigger than we could ever hold on to. We discover the truth of ancient scripture that in God, in the divine, in Christ, we live, we move, we have our being. I don't know about you, but I wish I was taught this years ago. I wish it was embraced as a part of the journey rather than told that if I enter such a journey, I'm probably very far from God and sinning in a heretic. And so I want to tell you, wherever you find yourself on this faith journey, it's okay. It's okay to be where you are. It's okay to be burnt out by religion and church right now. It's okay uh, that you are angry with how politics and religion seem to be an illicit and abusive affair right now, and that many people are touting it as some faithful marriage. It's okay if it feels as if God is, is far away and that the faith you had at that, at that one time was so passionate seems to just be tired and flat. Don't give up on faith just because you are deconstructing parts of it. Don't give up hope because it may feel as if you are losing a part of your faith. You might just be losing it in order to find it. And you might just be deconstructing it in order to reconstruct it. And none of this negates the fact that the divine is as near to you as your very breath. That you can be awakened to a spirituality that centers you, calms you, and connects you with God. That you can be a contemplative, that you can be an ecumenical who honors and cherishes and loves the great overarching tradition in which we find ourselves. I think one of the reasons many of us go through such a deconstruction of our faith is because our culture and our daily living is so anti-contemplative. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't work this way. We are rushed and individualistic, and we're so future-focused, and we forget our past and our history. We're obsessed with being connected through social media, and in our longing to be connected to other people through social media, we are actually disconnected from the people directly in front of us. And because of this, I think we become less connected and more distracted, less present and more anxious. But if we ever want to become more connected, 
more aware, less distracted, less anxious. If we ever want a faith that is somehow rekindled, a, a healing balm for our soul, and a life that is transformed, we have to practice the contemplative. Father Richard Rohr, who I've quoted many times on this podcast, and I encourage you to read it, has this book called Just This. And he talks about practice in there in, in one section. And he says this, he says, mere willpower, the I will do it, or enforced behavior, you must go to church on Sunday, does not actually change our attitude or interior space. It only creates the kind of passive and passive-aggressive Christianity that is so much the norm today. Oof, it's good, huh? This antidote, he says to, to this, is contemplative practice. That silence, centering prayer, solitude, this is what will change our attitude, our interior space, keep us and our faith active and aware, alive. And he goes on to talk about how much importance we put on practice when it comes to things such as sports and arts, therapy, education, but how little we do it when it comes to religion. And then he says, religion might be the most important thing to practice of all of these things. And he hammers away that in order to encounter and be aware of God, we must practice the contemplative. I think this is why he's known to say, too, that we don't think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. It reminds me of the importance of practice and rehearsal and muscle memory while working as a professional actor. We would practice, right, over and over and over so that every line and every note and every dance move was ingrained into our muscle memory, that we could perform a show not only from memory, but we could do it almost as if we weren't even thinking about it. And the more we would perform it, I mean, we sometimes performed thousands and thousands of shows that we could probably do it without thinking. But here's the risk and things that I experienced. When the risk with muscle memory is you don't need to be fully aware of what is happening. You, you could be singing a song or reciting lines, dancing full out, and yet your mind could be thinking about your grocery list or what that audience member is wearing or what was happening backstage in your peripheral vision that you could see. And there'd be times when it would happen to me, especially this one show I performed hundreds of times, where I'd zone out. And I'd have this moment on stage performing, doing the show, dancing, singing. I'd zone out, and then I'd realize I zoned out. And I would have this rush of panic, and I'd start thinking, where am I? Uh, what line am I saying next? Uh, is this the right scene? I have no idea what line comes next. What comes next? And my mind would panic, like I don't even know what I'm supposed to say yet. And inevitably, the line would just come out of my mouth, or the song would just continue because of me muscle memory. And yet at the same time, in those moments when you were fully present, when you were in the moment, allowing muscle memory and practice to flow out of you in those moments could often come incredible breakthrough. Through those moments could come honest performance. Through those moments, some of the best acting would occur. But we had to be present and allow the work of practice to flow out of us. And so I think in our spiritual life, there's something similar, that it's the continual practice that will allow us to become fully aware, present in the moment, 
And when we are fully aware and present in the moment, that is often when we discover the divine. That is when we can become aware that God is with us, has been with us the entire time. And that is when we can experience that we are living, moving, breathing, and being in God. And so this is what I'm going to talk about in season three of this podcast, discovering the divine in all things all around us. Each episode in the third season, it's my hope that I'm going to share just a short story and a short reflection about discovering God in the ordinary. It's not going to be these long two-hour podcast interviews because, let's be honest, who's got time for that? And I've got way too many other podcasts to listen to to add a two and a half hour one to my list. So instead, I just want to do short episodes, a short story. Maybe they'll be five minutes, maybe they'll be 15, but short stories that will hopefully allow you the space to be present to the divine all around you, to give you a glimpse of God in your own life, to be centered and connected to the one who is near to you as your very breath. We'll be taking a bit of a break as I work on compiling a bunch of these stories and episodes, so stay tuned. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, be ready about stories about the divine and how we can discover the divine in all things all around us. If you've enjoyed the season of this podcast, one thing you can do to show your appreciation is to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. I mean, come on, I haven't had a single ad, one of those annoying ads. You've never had to fast forward a podcast when you've listened to mine. So it would be such a an honor, and I would be so appreciative if you could rate and relieve, uh, review this podcast, as well as it would help uh, this podcast be promoted to others so that others will listen as well. Also, a simple share or a retweet about this podcast on social media is also a great help. As always, this podcast was written, recorded, and edited on Monacan land. And until season three, may you have peace, may you have calm, and may you have happiness.